This is Warner Lewis, and welcome to another edition of Lewis at Large, smart talk and conversation with talented people from all walks of life. A reminder to subscribe to these Lewis at Large podcasts, go to Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. And if you like the podcast, hey, let others know about it. For context, my conversation with journalist John Wasik was recorded in March of 2021. Extremely pleased to have with us uh, John Wasik. Uh, we will talk about John, uh, his background, and a little bit about a brand new work uh, he's got out. Before I do that, I want to remind you again how you can get a hold of us. You can always reach us at WarnerFLewis1 at gmail.com, WarnerFLewis, the number one, at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook and, of course, um, online at lewisatlarge.com as well. Well, to the business at hand, uh, John Wasik is the author of 19 books and has spoken across the country. He has written for the New York Times, Forbes, the Wall Street Journal, Reader's Digest, Washington Monthly, uh, amongst others. In 2018, he was named an Illinois Rhodes Scholar by the Illinois Humanities Council. We're talking about a new work called Lincolnomics, uh, a really interesting take uh, on the president. Lincolnomics, how President Lincoln constructed the great American economy. Should be an interesting conversation indeed. Uh, John, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm glad that it's warming up a bit and we're able to get out. I guess the question of the day is, have you been vaccinated yet? Not yet. You know, I'm signed up various places, and I'm not in the, the absolute top high-risk group, and, you know, hoping to get get something soon. But, uh, you know, it's, I'm like everybody else is like, have tremendous anxiety over this, and I, you know, I'm sort of an outdoor person so it's it's you know it's vexing for a lot of people well we're recording this in the first part of 2021 so send up a flare when you do and uh we'll look forward to that let's uh let's focus here on lincolnomics uh we all think we know what Abraham Lincoln was all about, or at least some of the substance and some of his contributions. Uh, but you're going to make the case uh, that we don't know a lot about some of the things he did in terms of economic development. And I, let's just start with this. Why Abraham Lincoln? Why You've written about so many different things. Why Abe Lincoln on this particular work? Well, he's a seminal force in, in helping us to understand what economic progress is and looks like. Um, you know, everybody knows the, the familiar story of Abe growing up in a log cabin, going to Indiana with his family, coming over to Springfield, Illinois as a young man, doing all sorts of things before he ran for the Illinois General Assembly. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is that Lincoln was actually a champion of infrastructure uh, at a very early age, in fact, in his 20s. And and this shaped his his political view uh, on economic progress for the rest of his his political career. Um, and when I dug in further, I discovered that many of his longest, most exhausting speeches and, and speeches could get very long in the 19th century. And he's mostly known for his short speeches, but the longest speeches he gave were on you know research and development, uh, education. Uh, building uh, an infrastructure to improve agricultural productivity, invention, discoveries. Uh, this this was all on the top of his mind. 
uh, throughout his term in the Illinois General Assembly. He had one term in Congress. Of course, he ran for uh, senator, and he lost, but then, you know, won in 1860 for president. And he continued those those themes well into his presidency. So um, he's not as well known for these things, but I, I always thought that he... He wasn't really given credit for this this whole other aspect of his presidency. So while you would think that what he was dealing with domestically, uh, with the issue uh, of slavery, uh, with uh, independent uh, col- or excuse me, independent states and the succeeding col- or states from the union and all of that would be plenty on the plate, but. Uh, one of the things he held very, very dear was the development uh, of the economy and this emerging nation. Uh, and he was a tremendous friend of the Transcontinental Railroad, was he not? Oh, absolutely. In fact, there were so many people who wanted this long before he got into the White House. Even Jefferson Davis wanted it, although he wanted a bridge across the Mississippi south, south of St. Louis to to help the southern states. But... Um, and, and there's all these side stories. I mean, he when he was a railroad lawyer before he ran for even senator, uh, he was defending the Rock Island Railroad bridge that went across the Mississippi. A uh, railroad captain had either accidentally or intentionally crashed into it, uh, wrecking it and literally burning it down. Um, and, and Lincoln made the argument that this was a public amenity, that we needed it for the future of, of the country and economic progress. And, and there's all sorts of cases where he was defending sort of the right of railroads to exist in their, in their purpose uh, in, in really promoting commerce. And biggest theme that I found kind of buried in a lot of these things was his sense of economic equality. Um, and I know people always ask me, I was like, yes, but, you know, he really didn't believe in equality of the races. And, well, he was he's a man of the 19th century, but... He did believe in everybody's right to get an economic opportunity to lift their station uh, of all races. So that was literally something I saw in the first um, debate with Stephen Douglas. He puts it right out there as like, you know, economic progress should be really enjoyed by everybody. He was also uh, land-grant colleges and Kansas State University, just a couple hours west of here, is a land-grant school, one of the first. Uh, Share with us a little bit about that, because that really sort of laid the groundwork uh, for what really probably is most public universities all across the country. Well, the top line is that, well, this was the greatest research, development, education, infrastructure improvement ever in history. I mean, the land-grant colleges in the United States provided this huge base of higher education for for just about anybody. Um, Originally, they were dedicated towards uh, agricultural uh, research and what they called uh, industrial universities, parentheses, you know, manufacturing and the industrial arts, which later became engineering. Um, And Lincoln's, you know, signing of this Moral Act, um, which created land grants, and there were several iterations going well into the 20th century, uh, established this network because Lincoln was a big believer in the power of education to lift people economically. He realized, hey, we're a growing country. We're going to need some really good research on how to grow more crops and how to make 
you know, tractors, uh, how to mass produce things. And he had thought about this a long time before he actually signed the Morrill Act. In fact, the original idea for what was called then an industrial university was originated in Illinois by somebody he knew, uh, Jonathan Baldwin Turner, uh, who was an abolitionist, um, sort of a, a polymath. Um, and he, he knew Lincoln and actually visited him in the White House, and it was Turner who sort of gave this idea to Morrill. Morrill actually tried to get it passed in 1858, um, and uh, Buchanan didn't like the idea or, or didn't see it uh, becoming law. So this was something that was was incredibly powerful device in, in really growing education. Just joined us. Here's truly Warner Lewis, of course, from the flight deck of Lewis at Large Radio. And I uh, got a good one going here with John F. Wasick. He's the author of 19 books and historian. Spoken across the country uh, numerous times. He's written for the New York Times, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Fortune.com, Money, Reader's Digest, and the Washington Monthly. Uh, we're talking about a brand new work called Lincolnomics, how President Lincoln constructed the great American economy, uh, something that probably not given enough credit for. Uh, I'm curious as to, because there are a couple other things that he did that we want to talk about, but just in general, John, uh, how did con- what kind of friends or what kind of battles did he have uh, in Congress in providing support for the railroad, providing support for land-grant colleges? Was it the good old political Donnie Brooks we see today, or were people helping him out? Well, it was it was enormously complicated at first. So when he got elected to the Illinois legislature uh, in the late 1830s, he served a few terms, and, you know, he was on the path to becoming a lawyer. But one of his early allies, and I, and this is another thing that really surprised me, was Stephen Douglas. Um, his great rival throughout his political career, and actually they teamed up on, on two different bills. The first bill was for creating the Illinois and Michigan Canal, which literally connected uh, the Chicago River to the Illinois River and Mississippi River system, so you could literally go uh, from New York City to New Orleans through the system. So he supported that along with Douglas. Um, so they, they didn't get enough money for the canal, there was a huge recession, 1836-37. Uh, they had to stop building it, and they literally were digging this thing by hand. Um, and then they also supported a bill to create the Illinois Central Railroad, which was uh, a land-grant railroad. Basically, the state set aside the land for the right-of-way of this railroad, which became, during Lincoln's time, the longest railroad in the world. And eventually it would connect uh, Chicago to the rest of the country um, and also to New Orleans. So those two things uh, Lincoln was big champion on, and he saw this as a way of, of connecting rural farmers and merchants to the rest of the continent. Uh, keep in mind that the superhighways before the railroad age were canals and rivers, and it wasn't easy to get from one place to another. Uh, in fact, he had to go to Washington um, you know, down the Mississippi, up the Ohio, getting off of the Ohio, taking the stagecoach. I mean, it was arduous. It was just a horrible way to travel. Let's, uh, I know this is a gigantic what-if, but if Lincoln is not dealing with uh, a divided nation, dealing with a thing called the Civil War, dealing with those issues, uh, would, all, would a great 
I'm trying to imagine what would have been happening and what he would have been working on in addition to all of this. Well, he was he was a very um, innovative thinker. So even during the Civil War, he thought about how could we improve everything. Uh, medical research, he really green-lighted the first uh, medical research uh, lab and archives, which, you know, morphed into this whole very large, uh, you know, military health care system. Um, and, and all the things that he did, um, and I even found a letter where he, he approved the use of uh, disinfectants in, um, you know, surgery tents during the Civil War, and that was a real find. Um, so he was always thinking ahead. He was always looking at, you know, how do, how do we improve telegraph service? And he was a real you know, lover of the telegraph and telegraph dispatches. They say he used to sleep in the telegraph room during the war. Um, and he would always go out to the naval um, station down in, in southern Washington and see, you know, the latest weapons and you know, he was he was always really embracing invention in general. So I think he would have been a, a very strong R&D advocate uh, had he lived. Um, and, of course, you know, the, the whole history of Reconstruction would have turned out differently uh, had he, you know, survived his second term as well. You know, uh, again, I don't I understand that it takes works like this to shed light on, on stories and, and information like this. But in your opinion, uh, John, you've, you've done a lot of writing and you've read a lot. Why, why are we not more aware of Lincoln's prowess uh, in this area beyond what he was so famous for? Well, in, in my mind, and, and you know, I'm, I'm in Illinois and I have lived here all my life for, you know, more than 60 years, I have seen him everywhere. I mean, he's on our license plates. There's monuments everywhere you learn. There's the Lincoln Highway. I mean, he is he's a monument. But after a while, you have to get beyond sort of the, the monumental uh, Lincoln, the, the, you know, the hero, the martyr, um, and really look into what he said and, and what he did uh, during his, his short time. And it really was remarkable to see, you know, some of the things that he wrote how he was thinking. He was just such a curious guy, and he really believed in in doing things better, uh, building things, and really enabling people like himself, uh, who had no education and grew up in the backwoods, to connect to global markets. And he was very aware of that, uh, and the power of infrastructure and transportation to enrich people who ordinarily would be stuck, you know, plowing the same, you know, hard scrabble field the rest of their lives. What, again, we're asking you to project here just a little bit, but given what you know, uh, given uh, the facts and, and what history has told us, how would Abraham Lincoln view the, these large, large, the social uh, programs that we have, whether it's something as broad-based as Medicare to something more such as maybe either welfare or various programs? Uh, that aid the poor, those that help to add education, et cetera? How would he view, in general, the government's involvement in social programs? Well, the broader way of thinking about that is is how he viewed uh, social infrastructure in general. So he's, he was a big champion of, of education. He was a big champion of, you know, what passed for medical research at the time. Uh, he was 
a, a very strong advocate of innovation. I think he would have really supported the idea of a, a stronger social um, infrastructure, which would have included health. Um, you know, he. I, I remember reading some of his letters saying, you know, how can we approve, you know, ambulance service during, you know, some of the worst battles in civil war. Uh, and he hired people who, who were interested in that. Uh, so there was this mindset from Lincoln that, you know, we could do things better. Um, and he wanted to create the policy to, to make things, you know, easier for people. It was, life was hard for him um, until he became a successful lawyer. And then, they, and then he still appreciated, you know, where he came from and his lack of education uh, haunted him the rest of his life. You know, just about the time we think we sort of <laughs> have dissected Abraham Lincoln uh, as much as we possibly can and gotten down to even the cellular level with him. You've done a lot of research, uh, obviously. What, what to you, uh, in doing the research and putting Lincolnomics together, was what in, to you was the big maybe revelation slash headline slash item that you did not know before or maybe appreciate uh, to the intensity that you do now? Well, the thing that really jumped out of me, and I discovered late in my research, that he had this ability to, to visualize what what town should look like. And he, and he actually did a plan of a town for, um, that wasn't too far from him. His first actual proposal when he was running for the General Assembly was to build a canal that would connect um, his home of Springfield to the Illinois River, because um, the Sangamon River, which you know was ran through New Salem, Illinois, where he was, you know, a young man, was terrible. It was not navigable, and he actually tried to navigate it with a steamboat, and it kind of got stuck, and he had to get it loose, and it was just a big mess. So he he planned this little town that was going to go right on the canal um, near the Illinois River, and it was like, wait a minute, this is one of the first examples of a transit-oriented development. Um, and this was like 1836, and it was just an amazing bit of uh, planning that I was like, Lincoln's an urban planner? This is pretty cool. Well, as we start to wind down here uh, again, it, it, doing this kind of work with Lincoln... Uh, and really shedding light on on what, yes, it would, in fact, it was probably public information. But the fact of the matter is, and really, really celebrating his work in economic development, his, uh, his ability and desire to create infrastructure uh, when maybe he hasn't been credited as much. Um, from, from this point forward, anything else we sort of need to know or anything that is, is driving you to think, I need to learn more about this person? Or do you feel like now you've got a real sense of the totality, so to speak, of his work? Well, I, I think anybody who researches Lincoln always wants to know, like, what was he thinking, you know, when he broke off his engagement with, with Mary uh, Todd? And <laughs> what was going on there? Or was he really depressed? You know, what was the nature of his, his melancholy? And, and all these things that really dig into his personality, people have been speculating on for the last 150 years or so. Um, and then truly, you know, what drove him? I mean, he was 
a mercurial guy. He was he was also a poet. He was also a very driven person. And you know, there are certain things that that really uh, motivated him. And you know, even the best biographers want to know is like. What was Lincoln thinking, you know, right about this time when the Civil War was looking really bad? You know, how come, you know, he did this or that? And, you know, he, his, there's like eight volumes of his collected works, right? And most of them are letters. And, and people have been parsing through those for generations. And still, there's, there's the mystery of Lincoln. How did he do it all? Why, how did he become such a great writer and, and a great leader? And it's just, you know, I think the best take on that was in Doris Kearns Goodwin's um, sort of profiles of him, and, and her latest book was called Leadership, and she just kind of distills it as like, he just, you know, some of it was intuitive, some of it was he was a good politician, some of it was just like, when people wronged him, he could kind of move on, um, and that was, a, that was a big strength, but that's important to know, and and. I think it just gives us a lesson for what we're dealing with now. So we do need to build infrastructure. How do we do it? Uh, why, why are we doing it? Um, you know, it's still linked to economic progress, and that's such a powerful theme in American life. Is like, well, yeah, roads will link people, but we do need roads. We need canals. We need railroads and all these other things uh, that really are public amenities that really do help people over time. Well, the work uh, is a good one. It's called Lincolnomics, How President Lincoln Constructed the Great American Economy. Uh, John Wasik is the author, a prolific one indeed. John, a couple things. How can people pick up a copy of Lincolnomics? And also, uh, if they want to find out more about the work that John Wasik has done, where can they go to find that out? Well, they can, uh, they can see my Amazon page where you can, of course, order the book. You can also order it from Barnes & Noble or... Preferably, if your independent bookseller can order books, go to them. Um, I always appreciate it, and I think they appreciate it when you give them some business. And it just—it's—it's it's available, you know, just about anywhere online. Just Google it, um, and you know, my Amazon page is up now, so uh, it has some information on me. But if you just kind of do a search of my name, you can see some of my other writing as well. Sounds good. Listen, John, appreciate very much you sharing this, uh, the work with us, but also some of your time today. And uh, have a great 2021, and would certainly like to have you back on again uh, the next time you've got a new project. Well, I, I appreciate it, and uh, same to you. And I, I wish everybody uh, to be well and to be safe. And, you know, it's it's been a tough year and and you know we're we're going to see the other side of this and i think things will be better so i wish everybody the best yep hopefully the end is in sight well thanks for joining us for this installment of lewis at large we add new conversations every week and we like hearing from you you can contact us via email at warner f lewis one at gmail.com that's warner f lewis one at gmail.com and you can find out more at lewisatlarge.com or on the Lewis at Large Facebook page. And remember to subscribe to Lewis at Large. Check out Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. Now go have a great day.